Hey friend, in this episode, I am sharing a snippet of a session that I did at the NCHE Thrive Conference. It's the North Carolinians for Home Education. And it's all about habits because I truly believe that the habits that we create as homeschool parents are going to be the difference between if we love what we do as homeschooling moms and we have the motivation to keep going or if we hit rock bottom and burn out quickly. So in this session, we just walked through the seven habits and it was so much fun encouraging moms there. And I truly hope that this encourages you. So grab whatever you're drinking and let's do it. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by homeschooling? I don't know about you, but sometimes as a homeschooling mom, it feels like I have so much on my plate that I can hardly catch my breath. Well, if you've ever felt that way, then you're in the right place because this is the Catch Your Breath Podcast. I'm Inga Masick, certified life coach and a mental wellness advocate. With over three decades in education and over 10 years homeschooling, I'm right there in the trenches with you. But in this podcast, we're going to dive into some actionable strategies that are not only going to help you manage your stress, but also help you to have more joy, freedom, and balance in your homeschooling journey. So if you're ready to go from simply striving to truly thriving, then let's breathe through homeschooling together. Are you ready? It's time to catch your breath. I'm excited to share a little bit of this conference with you, but before we dive in, I want to just check in and see how you're doing. How's your week been going so far? How's homeschooling going? As you listen to these habits, I hope that they will not cause any sort of guilt about the things that you feel like you're not doing. You'll hear a lot of energy because I'm an energizer bunny when I'm doing a conference. (laughs) So you'll hear that. But I hope what you'll hear is my heart in trying to encourage you around that. So as you are reflecting on which one, remember to think about where you are right now. What do you need? What is the thing that will really support you in this season? Not what do you think you should have, but what do you truly need? If it's connection, if it's some celebration, which a lot of times that's what it is, um, I want you to think through that. And then remember that you can always reach out to me if you need some more support around implementing this and cultivating it as a habit. Do not try to do this on your own if you feel like you can't do it on your own. All right, you ready? Let's dive in. Habits lay the foundation for a successful homeschool journey. What's important about our mindset about a habit is that a habit is just an intentional practice that we actually take time to focus on. That's what I'm considering a habit. And when we think about these habits, these are the things that give us the personal fulfillment, which the reality is, whether you came from a career before you started this or you've just been doing this as a stay-at-home mom from the very beginning, You need fulfillment in the work that you have been called to do. You have to have that. We tell ourselves we don't need that. We tell ourselves that because I am doing what's best for my child, I don't need to be fulfilled. But the truth is you do. And so when we think about these habits, these are the habits that are going to help us to feel that fulfillment. Our emotional well-being is key. As homeschooling moms, a lot of times we don't want to tell people when we're struggling and having a hard day or having a hard season. Why? Because what is the advice that people are going to tell us? What are they going to say? I know you've heard it before. Just do what? Just put them back in school. Like, I mean, why would you do this to yourself? 
And I always say, so just pull your kids out of school whenever they have a hard day. That's not the choice, right? How many of us have ever had a job where we had a hard day? We told somebody that, and they said, well, just quit. I mean, why would you keep going back to that job? Just stop. But that's what people think is our solution. They think we've called this to ourselves. And so if we're suffering or if we're struggling, we should send them back. But these habits are going to help to give you a foundation of emotional well-being. Your emotions matter because if you don't show up fully as yourself, your children are not going to succeed. And it doesn't matter how much you spend on curriculum. It doesn't matter how many conferences you go to. If you as the teaching parent are not okay, your children are going to suffer. So we want to make sure that your well-being is okay. I was talking to someone over here. What did you say your name was again? Randall about our self-growth. How many of you can see the growth you have made and just who you are by homeschooling? All right, God does something in us as we are doing something with our children, if we let him. So if we allow him to do that, we're going to grow in this process. The, the other thing we want to think about is these habits are showing our children what it looks like to have these habits. And so when they see that we're doing some of these things, they say, oh, okay, well, this is important. I need to focus on that. And then it can build your confidence. I don't know if you have ever experienced self-doubt in doing this or if it's just me. But sometimes you can really worry about if you're doing enough. Do you have the right curriculum? Are you ruining your child? Will your child get to the end of 12th grade and then they'll know nothing, they won't know anything? Will you send them to college and people are like, oh, yeah, I can tell you we're homeschooled. Definitely. Like, you don't know. Do you ever have that or is that just me? Well, these habits are going to help you to build your confidence. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. We will never honestly get rid of self-doubt because we live in a fallen world. So we're going to have those worries, and we're going to have those anxieties. But I also believe that if we allow those two, they'll lead us back to Christ. You don't know what you don't know. So in the beginning, when I got my certification to be a life coach, one of the things they taught us to make sure that we made sure our clients knew was that you are enough. You are enough. And I was like, yes, you are enough. You are enough. And then I just, you know, the Holy Spirit just pricks you sometimes. Like, what are you saying? Is that in my word? And I was like, wait a minute. If we are enough, then we don't need him, right? So if I can do this all on my own, then I never need to look to him for guidance. I never need to look for the word to see what it says. I can just do it out of my own capabilities. And that's when I realized the confidence that we get has to come through him. It has to come through knowing I am not enough on my own. And I know that there are secular homeschoolers. I don't know how they do it, but I know that there are people who don't truly believe that they need the Lord to do this. I don't know how I could do this without God. I must sit at his feet every day, several times a day sometimes when I'm having a crying child and I'm like, Jesus, I need you now, like right now, right now. And usually it's in my closet saying, okay, help me. So this, these habits are going to help to build that confidence because it's going to remind you where it comes from. And then lastly, even if you want to do this two years, three years, or the whole time, we want to have long-term success. So we want to be able to do this practice and make it sustainable. So that at the end, so how many of you are married? How many of you moms are the ones that's, that are doing the, the bulk of the homeschooling? How many dads are in here? Dads, at the end of this journey, you still want your wife, right? I'm thinking you might, right? 
And so we don't want to get to this end of this journey and we're so burnt out that we have nothing else to give to ourselves, to our spouses, anybody else. So we want to do this long term, but we want to do it successfully. So what does that look like? So I'll tell you the seven habits. Our commitment, let me see if I can remember them. Commitment, uh, consistency, curiosity, celebration, community or connection, the other one I forgot brain okay but let's talk about let's talk about commitment for a little bit the first thing you have to do when you decide to homeschool is decide to homeschool if you are wavering if you're kind of you know at any moment you can send them back you're not going to give your all to this it's going to be something that if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't And I'm not saying that when you commit to this, it means you can never change your mind. You can never take a different path. But you have to determine a certain amount of time that you're going to commit. I met a homeschooling mom who had been homeschooling for 15 years. 15 years. So chances are she was going to finish the last two years. And she said they play it year by year. Each year, she commits to that year. If that feels better to you, do that. But if you commit to that year, commit to that year. Determine that you are going to do it for that year. When we think about commitment, it means to cultivate our dedication, our reliability, and our perseverance to do what? Stay motivated and to navigate the challenges effectively. If it starts with commitment, then on your hard day, you are committed to still continue on. Does it mean you won't have the hard day? Absolutely not. But it means now you're not saying, how can I get out of this? Now you're saying, how can I grow from this hard day so that tomorrow I can get up and do it again? There is a different, just imagine if you were married to your spouse and each year you made it to your anniversary, you were like, okay, we did that. You want to try again for the next year? What do you think? You do it? Okay, well, let's go. And halfway through, you say, I'm not sure if this is working. We'll get about 30 more days and then... I might have to change spouses if it doesn't get a little better. It would change the way you relate to them, right? It would change the way they relate to you because they wouldn't feel your commitment. If your children don't feel like you're committed to this, then they feel like, why should I be? Why should I pour everything into it if this may change? So we want to commit. So what does that look like? First of all, remember that God is committed to us. God is with us no matter how we mess up, and I've messed up a lot. And I know there is a comfort, not that I take it for granted, but there is a comfort in knowing God will never leave me. He will never forsake me, that there's nothing that I can do that is going to make him move away from me. Think about that when you think about your kids, how that makes them feel to know no matter how many times I cry at this lesson, no matter how how behind I think I am, no matter how many tantrums I have, no matter all those things, you are committed to this plan with me. There's, there's, a, there's a calm that comes from that, right? They already know that you're their parent. But if the option is there that you, and I, I say that, and I know we do that sometimes, like, get it right. There's that bus coming. But just think about the peace that kind of, right? <laughs> you're laughing because it's truth. You know you felt it. <laughs> but just think of, and I, and I say that with them, but then at the end of the night, I say, you know, I could not handle you going to school. So I want you here with me because I need them to know I'm committed to this process. And no matter how it looks, no matter how crazy it gets, no matter how funky it feels, we're in this together. 
The other thing that we want to do know is that commitment lays the foundation for everything else we do. And so it looks like committing to the year, but also, I'm going to step back for a little bit, so now I'm going to get caught for this one, committing to a curriculum. Okay, so listen, listen, listen. Don't throw me out. Don't walk out. Here's the thing. It doesn't mean you commit to the curriculum forever. But if you are using curriculum and like, oh, in two weeks this doesn't work, then you really are not giving yourself an opportunity to see it work. So choose a certain amount of time and commit to that curriculum. Say six weeks. Say nine weeks. I'm not going to make any changes no matter what. And then commit to I'm going to pour my heart into it. I'm going to do it well so that if you have to change it, you know you've done everything that you could have done to make it work. Does that make sense? I know we're at a vendor fair. I love curriculum too, the pretty boxes when it's new, just all the stuff. But if we keep on changing, then we're never going to see if it works. And the reality is a lot of times when you change curriculum, different curriculums have different scope and sequences. So you always feel like you're starting over again because that curriculum isn't aligned with the other curriculum necessarily. Just because it's all fourth grade language arts doesn't mean that they're all focusing on the same things at the same time. And so you can start to feel very stressed out because you're, we just did that or we don't know how to do that. So give yourself, and, and if you're going to change, and 100%, if you hate a curriculum, absolutely change it. However, know why you're changing it. So do some reflection and you need to spend some time in it to say, actually, this doesn't work for me. Because if you don't know why that curriculum did not work, you're going to go get another one that possibly will not work. Then you'll waste money, you'll waste time, and you're going to feel like a failure. And so what do we, when we do this, we need to understand that when we practice commitment and show our kids what it looks like in the, the lessons and what we're doing, then they start to recognize commitment. A lot of times we have them commit to sports, we have them commit to lessons, so they know what that feels like but they don't necessarily know what it feels like when we say we're committing to this lesson. I hate it. I don't love it. Okay, well, let's look at why you don't like it. Let's see what we can do. What can we add? What can we pull away? What would you want me to put in that? Let's see if we can work with that so that they learn if it's hard, you can figure out how to make it better rather rather than just running. Clarity is the next one. Clarity is key because a lot of times we are not starting from clarity. Clarity is key because a lot of times we are declu- we, our minds are decluttered with negative thoughts, with self-limiting beliefs, with things that we don't realize we've told ourselves. For instance, I can't teach algebra. Mm-mm. When math comes, I'm going to mess this child up. Like, oh, my goodness. Just imagine if you have that thought going in there, right? So first you have to recognize that you have that thought, and then you have to clear that thought and say, okay, so if I'm not good with algebra, what can I do? Well, there's tons of resources. So you can change that thought to, I actually don't have to be great at algebra because I'm great at finding what works for my child, and I'm going on a hunt for it. If we think about our mindset, it's really thinking about what we think about. Your thoughts direct what you're going to do. So if you're afraid that you truly cannot teach your child well, you will be down in that vendor hall trying to get every curriculum that anybody says is the most amazing, right? Because the belief is, I can't do this, so let me find the thing that can do it. Remember, curriculum is a tool. So you still have to learn how to use that tool. And anybody can learn how to use the tool. So you can be empowered in saying, let me find one that fits well with me. 
so that I can do it well. We want clarity in our communication. We have to communicate. So this one we know. We have to communicate well with our children, right? We have to be able to tell them what they need to do in the lesson, how we're going to plan our day, all of that. But we need clarity in our communication with our spouses to be able to say to them, this is the help that I need. This is how you can support me in this. We need, we need clarity and communication with our community in order to say, this is what I need from you. This is the type of community that I need support in. And we need communication, clear communication with ourselves. Because if that communication of what you're telling yourself really matters. It goes back to that mindset. So you have to stop and say, what am I telling myself about this homeschooling journey? As I was saying to somebody else, what do I tell myself about the hard days of homeschooling? Do I tell myself that that is the evidence I needed to show that I could not do this? Or do I tell myself that this is how God is using his hard day to draw me closer to him, to get me on my knees, help me recognize that I need him more than anything else? We need clarity in our curriculum and our resources. I said before, you need to know what you're choosing before you go in. And so you have to be clear about your, your teaching style. Your teaching style matters. A lot of times we start with our child's learning style. But who is teaching the child? You. So if you hate it and they love it, more than likely they won't learn, especially if you are a key component of that. So you have to start with, if you're the type of person that doesn't love scripted curriculum and you're like, I can't stand it, it just, oh my gosh, it just, ugh. And then you hear somebody say, Saxon is amazing. You will love Saxon. Saxon is a scripted curriculum. So even though it's amazing, and it truly is, if you hate scripted curriculum, you're going to hate it. And your child will feel that. And they may not know that it's the scripted part that you hate. It may just feel like, okay, either she, you know, kids internalize everything, so she really doesn't want to teach me this lesson, or she really hates math. And so we have, to, we have to think about how am I being clear in what I'm choosing based on me. And so you have to start with you. What do you hate? What do you love? Do you need a curriculum that lines it out, or do you want it to just give you some free stuff? Do you need a clarity in what your family needs? If you have seven children, you don't want to get seven different curriculums for language arts and seven different curriculums for math and seven different curriculums for social studies. You're going to drive yourself insane. So you have to have clarity about how long is our day, how much can I fit in, and what can I do that's going to work for all of us. You also need to have clarity in your instructions and your expectations. A lot of times we are frustrated with our children because they don't get it, but it's because we have not been clear in what we want them to get. We have to be very clear that we start from, am I saying this in a way that they can understand? And a simple test for that is, tell me what I just told you. A lot of times when you ask that question, you're like, that's not what I just said, but that's what they heard. So now you can go back and say, all right, let me say this again. One of the things I love to do because I have a teenager at home is when I have hit the wall where they're not understanding me, if he's been listening, I'll say, can you tell it to your brothers, your sister? And then he'll say it, and I'm like, and they'll, oh, what just happened? (laughs) But they got it that way. And so we have to make sure we're clear about that, and it may not always come for us. And then this one was the hard one. Clarity in our boundaries and our expectations. A lot of times we're struggling in homeschooling because we have really unrealistic expectations. And I know that to be true because I had them. I'm a recovering, high expectation, unrealistic expectation person. So before I had my, I'm going to tell you because we can be vulnerable, right? 
Okay, so I had three kids before I had my surprise baby, and I, my parents are huge on education. I'm huge on education, so I was like, oh, perfect. Got three kids, that's Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. That's a wrap, we're good. All right, so everything we do is gonna be ready for them to do that. Yeah, that was unrealistic, because you can imagine what my school looked like in the very beginning. And so I had to say, is that realistic? And more importantly, because it is, it is realistic if you want it to be realistic, so I'm not knocking anybody who wants to send their kids there. But I had to get clarity on, is that what I actually really want? At the end of this, do I want to say that they're ready for Harvard, Yale, and Princeton? Or do I want to say that they're ready to stand up for their faith among a world that doesn't want them to? And if I am, then I have to have clarity and alignment in what I want them to have and what I'm doing every day at school, in their homeschool. So one of the things that we want to do when we get to clarity, the most important thing is ask ourselves, what are we thinking about? We have to declutter our mind, but we have to do that. Like if you've ever watched any decluttering shows, what do they do? Make you bring all the stuff out, right? And you have to figure out, well, I know, this seems overwhelming, but that's everyone I've seen. That's what they do. My favorite is the edit. I'm still trying to see if they'll come and do a homeschool room. So I want them to come to my house and do that. But they bring everything out. And then they decide what stays, what has value and what stays, what leaves, right? Market, and where do you put it? That's what we have to do with our mind. We've got to get everything out. So journaling. These are all the things and thoughts I'm saying. What's true? And I, lo- I love to put it to the litmus test of Philippians 4.8. What's true? What's lovely? What's kind? All of those things. Like, oh, that doesn't work. Got to get that out. Our next one is consistency. I struggled with this. I struggle with this one still, if I'm just honest with you, because I have, I know, right? Somebody's shaking their head. Because I have four kids and because I want to do all the things. But consistency is important because without it, there's a lack of security. You can have a flexible day, but still have a consistent day. So you cannot, you don't have to have a, we do this at 822 and we do this at 938 and we do this at 1002. You can have a a routine where you say, first we get up, we eat our breakfast, we do our devotions, we clean our room, we start our school, we do one of these three lessons each day. But what you want is for them to know what happens so that you can do less talking, you can do less prodding, less pushing, less begging, that they start to understand, okay, so this is the routine, so that... If you know that after you're finished cleaning your bed, for my kids to know, our routine is they wake up first things first, use the bathroom, brush your teeth if you need to, and do your devotions. So if they get up and I notice, and then make their bed. And so if I notice that the bed isn't made, then I can ask, like, where did, did they do the whole routine? And I can say, what did you do after you got up? That they know, that, okay. And so a lot of times it's like, I have to brush my teeth, I have to do my... Okay, so then you know. So I don't have to do as much talking anymore because I can just say, remember what you need to do in the morning. And now that I'm away, <laughs> I'm laughing because my husband is with them. So no, no knock on you husbands, but as I was leaving, he was bringing in chicken nuggets, tater tots, frozen pizza, <laughs> chips. I was like, okay, just, just going to leave. I'm not going to say anything. So I don't know that the routine happened, but I can tell you that they do know it. All right, our next one is connection. Connection is key to homeschooling. You can't do this on your own. And when you try, you're going to really feel lonely, frustrated, just all the things. The reason why it's important is there are many reasons. But one of the things I want you to think about when you think about 
connection is that you need somebody who's walking the same path that you're walking. So you need somebody who's kind of around, if you've been doing it two to, two to five years, you need somebody in that two to five years so you can relate to them like it was really hard. You need somebody that is ahead of you who's already gone through what you've gone through so they can pull you along and say, oh, yeah, I know, that looks really hard, but there's another side to that. And then you need somebody who is not where you are. Why do you need that? Because that's going to build your confidence. A lot of times we can't see what we're doing. We can't see the good we've done. We can't see the progress we're making. We can't see the amazingness. And I guarantee you, you're looking at somebody saying, oh, my gosh, how did she keep it all together? How did she do that? Somebody's looking at you thinking that same thing. You don't believe that, but they are. They're looking at you like, how does she do that? I don't even know how she... You need those people in your life to encourage you so that when you're like, I don't even know what you're doing, they're like, but how do you do that thing with the hands-on thing? And you're like, oh, you think that's good? Yeah, like I want to do that too. That starts to build your confidence like, oh, well, maybe I am doing something pretty okay. You need that because if you have only people in your community that are not where you are, then what do you start to feel? I can never get there. You start looking at them like, oh, my gosh, you could say that now because your kids are this. And, and so you need those people who are going to say, no, I was right there and I'm good. You need those people who are saying, I'm right here with you right now and you're good. And then you need those people who say, you are good because I can't even believe you're there. I'm just starting, but you're at year two. Does that make sense? Community is also important because without connections and community, you leave yourself wide open for the devil to tell you whatever he wants to tell you. You leave yourself wide open to pour all the self-doubt, all the negative thoughts, all the you can't, all that stuff. And the more he keeps you by yourself and tells you that, the more you start to think, well, maybe I can't do this. I knew I couldn't do this. Why did I think I could? And so you need community so that they can, you need community who knows you, who loves you, who understands you, who can look you in the face and say, I know you're struggling right now, but I need you to know if you need something, I'm here for you. And you need this kind of community. You need the community to say, girl, drop your kids over my house right now and go get you a cup of coffee. Can I have, if you want to be that community for me, just, okay, no. I live in Lancaster, but if you want to, I'm just saying, I'm open for it. But that's, you need those people who are going to see you. When I was in Winter Haven, we moved here in 2020, I was um, diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, had chronic pain every day, the whole nine, and then they said that my husband and I were going to be moving. And so I wasn't going to tell anybody that because I didn't want to be a complainer. I don't like to cry in front of people. But I had people who were paying attention, who were just looking at me like, no, something's not right. And knew, were starting to understand my personality. And so one of the ladies who ends up being one of my really closest friends at a parenting thing, she said, oh, drop your kids off at my house on so-and-so day so you can get packing done. Can I be honest with you that I wasn't going to do it? I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, like, I'm going to do that. I have four kids. She has four kids. But God spoke to her spirit. And the next time she said, what time are you dropping the kids? That's a different question. Right? Because now I have to have a different response. Oh, um, she was like, so 12, 1? And I just stood there like, One? She's like, yeah, okay, see you then. Now I'm caught in. I'm, I'm, I'm pulled in. But the reality is when I got there, she said I was going to sit and talk with her because I'm like, I'm not going to leave her with my kids. And she was shaking her head, and she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, come on. Go get some coffee and go get something to eat. I'm not saying that you have to do that if you're not in that season of your life. But I felt seen. I felt understood without having to say, you need that. 
Because if you don't have that, like I said, on those days, you'll just be by yourself in your closet, eating chocolate, crying. I don't, that, could, that could or couldn't happen, I don't know. You might do that. All right, and then customization is a habit. Customize your curriculum, your homeschool, your lifestyle, all of it to meet the needs of you and your family. When you buy a curriculum, remember that the curriculum is a tool in your hand. It does not require that you teach it exactly the way it's in the curriculum. It doesn't require that if there are 180 lessons that you teach 180 lessons. It doesn't require that if it's just fourth grade that you only teach the children that are in the fourth grade. You get to do, once it's yours in your hand, you get to do whatever you want to do with it. Make it work for your family. Homeschooling doesn't have to be when you wake up in the morning, you do it from 8.30 to 12.30. Your lifestyle could say, I work first and then we homeschool at 12.30. Customize it. You might say, we can't do homeschool Monday through Friday. We have to do it Wednesday through Sunday. Customize it. Because when you customize it, it's yours. It becomes your family's. And the hardest thing, a seed that's not of there, is comparison. Because it's not a habit that we want to have. But that's what we do a lot of times. Oh, well, they're doing that, so I should probably do that. Oh, everybody, don't compare. Customize all of your curriculum to meet your unique family's needs. This one is key. How many of you celebrate throughout your school year? Hey, celebrate big things. Celebrate small things. Celebrate insignificant things. Have a celebration at the end of the year, even if they're not graduating from 5th to 6th or 8th to ninth. Show them that we did this, and I'm so excited. Have little parties. I bring my teaching days in. So each day, I have a tutoring group. We do a different chair. So we do a roller coaster chair, or I make up a chair, and I'm like, some sort, and they're like, oh, but I'm like, let's celebrate. So if somebody gets something, if they get a math problem or whatever, I get up and do a silly dance or just something to let them know that I want you to celebrate. I want you to recognize the accomplishments that you've made. Celebrate them, but celebrate you. Those of you that just made it through the first year, did you celebrate? Did you find a way to say, I did this? No. Make a decision of what you want that to be. Go get if you, if you don't get cups, if you don't get $50 cups of coffee at Starbucks all through the year, then let that be your celebration. It does cost $50. I'm telling you, it's ridiculous. Because I have to get almond milk and, like, all this extra stuff. And I'm like, okay, anyway, I digress. So celebrate. Figure out how do we celebrate. Teach your kids. Ask them at the beginning of the year. When we get to the end of the year, how do you want to celebrate this year? Then they've got something to work through. We did one year where I asked them, and they said, we want our friends to come over and play video games and have ice cream. Didn't want to do the video games, but I said, okay, one of the best years we've ever had because we did a tracking chart, and I was like, I don't know where you are. You have to be by this grade. Super excited because they knew, okay, we're going to have this. So have every six weeks a grading period, Friday celebrations, whatever it is, celebrate. Make that a habit in your homeschool. And then this is probably one of the most important habits. In order for us to homeschool as moms, we have to be curious. We have to be curious and we have to stay curious. Why? Because many of us don't remember all that stuff we learned in school to now teach our children, right? So what we have to do is stay curious so that we can learn as they're learning. 
that we can show them what it looks like to go from not knowing to knowing. We can show them what it looks like to be interested and say, oh, I wonder about that. So that when they find lizards, when they find slugs, and they're just like, I really want to learn about this. You stay curious and say, I actually don't know anything about slugs. What could we learn about slugs? This will keep you and sustain you longer than anything. So find ways to infuse curiosity into every part of your life. Be cur- Listen, listen. I'm trying to be curious about Algebra 1 and Algebra 2. I'm trying. But I'm also curious to see which teachers I can find that can teach them. So that's where my curiosity goes. Where are they? Because I just, and that's the other thing. I don't love it. And so I used to think I had to teach everything. And now I'm like, actually, I don't. Because I love geography. I love English. I'm going to pour 100% into that. I can support them in algebra. What if I don't teach the algebra? What if I find somebody else? What if I find an online something else? You can feel like you can do that. We make it a habit by doing the same thing that we've learned about habits. Three things. Identify our cue or our trigger, define the routine or behavior, and then establish a reward. So the IDE. So for the trigger, if I know that I, and so the first thing I would say is, these are seven habits. They're extremely important. My suggestion is not to go and try to make all seven of them a habit at the same time. That's just going to be really challenging, and it could cause you some anxiety, which I don't want to cause you. You want to choose out of these, which were the ones, which is the one that you're like, you know what, I think I need that. I think that's what I need to focus on. I feel like that's what we've been missing, or I want to get better on that. Or just go in order. But either way, choose one to focus on, the power of one. And then you need to identify what is the thing that's going to trigger your reminder to work on that. So for instance, celebration. You might buy some balloons or uh, um, pom-poms or whatever the thing is for you that says celebration, a party hat, put it somewhere around your homeschool room. Because you, every time you see that, you'll think, did we celebrate today? You can put it in your lesson plan book, draw a little hat, put a sticker that lets you to remind you, okay, I need to celebrate. And then you need to define the routine you will do for celebration. So if, if you see, okay, so I, that's my trigger. When I see that, I will need to celebrate. Go to my lesson plan book and say, all right, where can I celebrate this week? And it doesn't have to be every single day. It doesn't have to be every single thing. But you want to be intentional about putting that down that I am going to do this thing. So the behavior that you could link to that as your trigger is when my child passes the test or when we finish a unit, or when we finish a chapter, or it could be a day when we get to Fridays. That's going to be our celebration day. Or it could be six weeks. At the end of our six-week mark, that's going to be our celebration. Whatever it is, identify the cue that you're going to use to, to make your mind go there, and then the routine of the behavior that you're going to then do. And then finally, establish the reward for doing it. It can be something simple, like a piece of chocolate. You know, anything that going outside for a walk, taking some time with the girls, whatever it is, you want this behavior to be something that you associate with this trigger and this reward. So it feels like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm making some progress. One of the things that um, Jerry Steinfeld, I think that's his name, talked about is when he talked about habits, he talked about not breaking the chain. And so one of the things that he did was create a calendar, and I still do this to this day, and start a, tr- start a um, 
a X for each time you do whatever the behavior is, and your goal is to not break the chain. So if, you, if you're saying you're doing it for seven days, you're doing a seven-day chain. Does that make sense? It could be a 30. I would say start with seven days or start with five times if it's, if it's going to be like every once in a while, and then go from there as to start to give yourself the trigger, give yourself the routine of the behavior, and then to give yourself the reward. So what are the seven habits? Clarity, commitment, consistency, connection, customization, celebration, and curiosity. They work together. So they build on each other and they work together. I hope that blessed you. I hope that truly helped you. It encouraged you. And now I want to know which habit is the one that you're going to work on for this year or for this month. My encouragement is always to choose one, to just choose the one that you think is the key lever and then to work on that, to pour into that habit specifically. You've got time. So you can work on that one habit throughout the entire school year, or you can break it up where you want to do two or three. You know, if you're an overachiever, you can go ahead for the seven. I know I would I would try that, but I know that it would not work. But whichever one you think is the one that will truly help and support and make all the other things, it's like the big wheel that turns the other wheels, then that's the one to shoot for. But either way, I want to hear which one it is. I want to hear how you're cultivating this habit in your homeschool. Thank you for tuning in. I hope that this episode empowered, equipped, and most of all, encouraged you. Don't forget to share your thoughts on today's topics because I'd love to hear how you're implementing these strategies. And you can do that in the free community where you can connect with me and other like-minded moms. You'll get some practical tips for homeschooling and teaching your child, managing your stress, and prioritizing your self-care. You can also ask questions there. You can participate in the fun challenges. And of course, you can celebrate your wins because we like to party over there. Also, if this was helpful and you know that it can be helpful to someone else, leave a review or share this with another homeschooling mom who needs to catch her Mommy! Mommy! (laughs) Well, that's my cue. But before I go, I want to leave you with these words from Philippians 4, 6-7. I pray that you won't be anxious about anything, but that in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, you would present your request to God and that you will experience the kind of peace that surpasses understanding as you navigate the stresses of life and homeschooling. Until next time, remember to take a moment to catch your breath.